Coming to you from the land down under, this is the Inbound Outbound Podcast. Your number one source for actionable sales and marketing interviews for small to medium-sized businesses. If you're a business owner or salesperson in need of a good laugh and some great information, this is the podcast for you. And now your host, James Wright. All right, the jigsaw puzzle. Jigsaw puzzle. Okay, the jigsaw puzzle was that's I've used that several times now. Yes, that's an idea that What's I. What's the had. whole premise? It's a little bit hard to explain audio, but my premise is that it's marketing. How can I get people to visit my store? And it goes back to quick digression onto my little man sticker, my keep it a hands off sticker. I've had the keep it a hands off sticker. We worked out the other day when the printer came in that we've given away over 100,000 stickers in the 40 years because I get a couple of thousand a couple of times a year. And that was from me sitting down trying to think, I've just opened a music shop. How can I make people remember who they who I am, where they've been, and how can I make them want to stick something on their case? Because it can't say I tried a sticker that said I got mine from Concept Music, bumper sticker, Concept Music. Why would they why do they want to stick it on there? The little gangster logo that we use with their slogan, keep it a hands off. Mate, can I take a bundle of those? Mate, can I have some of those? I should have bought some. Can I have some of those? I get school teachers. Mate, can I take a bundle of those, give my kids? I went up to Hale School last year, deliver an instrument to them and walk through their storeroom, which is in a public gallery. And there must have been 30 or 40 cases with keep it a hands off stickers on them. Everything from brand new to. 10 years old. Gold. And I go, what? Because kids, they want to stick it on their case. So that's the marketing side of how can I make people want to advertise me? They're not going to do it because, oh, can you please put a sticker on it? Can you please put a bumper sticker on your car that says concept music? So what? But when I come out with keeping a hands off with a little man, it's funny, it's gangsterish. You go, mate, don't touch my guitar. Don't touch my guitar. Keep it a hands off. I sold a very nice flute to a lady last year. We'll say very nice, about $2,500. Like, Exceptional go, flute flutes, then. Flutes go up to $20,000, oh, $30,000. wow. But a student starting flute is, say, seven or $800. And the lady came in and bought a $2,500 flute, and I was talking. I said, do you mind if I ask how you heard of it? She said, yes, I was driving along, and I saw your little man on the front of the store, and I remembered I had that sticker on my case when I was learning at school. Really? This is a lady about 35. Wow. She said, and I remember the sticker and I thought, oh, I've got to go there. So the little man has been a consistent for 42 years. Jeez. Um, and people recognise that they can't remember the name. They go, oh, what was the name of the shop? I don't know. And in online times, that's even more important because people just go, I bought it online. Where from? I don't know. Because I had 10 different shopping sites open. I was looking at all these different websites. It arrives I don't know where I bought it from. So everything we send out online has got the little man sticker, it's got the little man pick tin, it's got the little man plectrum, so that people have got that little signal to hang on. Back to the jigsaw, the same thing. How can I make people want to come to my shop rather than come to Concept Music, we'll give you a big discount today. So Yeah, so will everybody else. And they go back to their existing store and go, oh, Concept Music's got a sale and can you match their price? Yeah. So what's an imperative I can give them? So the idea I come up with was the jigsaw puzzle. I did it in pre-internet times. The first time I did a Beatles promotion, we won some box CD sets from a supplier, Beatles collection CDs, limited edition. I go, what the hell am I going to do with CDs? Let's run a competition. That developed from that, I bought a big pile of Beatles posters, had them made into jigsaws, and I had a jigsaw assembled in the shop and removed seven or eight pieces so that it was a jigsaw complete with seven or eight pieces missing. Then with the other 
10 or 12 jigsaws that I had made. We wrote a letter. We stuck a single piece of the jigsaw and mailed it to our entire database. So out the jigsaw went to about 3,000, 4,000 people with a single piece of the jigsaw stuck to the top corner. Right. With the impetus that bring this piece of the jigsaw in, see if you've got the missing piece, and if you have, you'll go in the draw to win a Vox Amplifier, which was played by the Beatles. Second prize, a Vox Wah pedal, because we got Vox on board because Beatles played Vox. And it was a tremendous success. We just had hundreds of people in the shop with their jigsaw pieces. So when I relocated the shop and we were thinking, now, can we do it again? What can we do? What can we do? The jigsaw. Why don't we do the jigsaw? Now, in modern times, direct post is expensive. We used to, You asked about differences in marketing. We used to send out a newsletter in the mail every two months. It's just not it's practical anymore. It's just not that. practical. Email. People like it, so it became email. But email doesn't have an imperative to it. No. If it's a special, if it's news, I try to make sure our emails that go out once every few weeks, I try to make sure they've got some product information, some staff information, some stories, and what's new. You guys tell me, I get the feedback from you guys, where do people click on the website? They click on the specials, they click on what's new. Okay, but how can I get them to connect with concept music? How can I get them to come into the store? Because the in-store experience is something else compared to the online. Yes, I'm trying to replicate online with what you get in store, but it's almost impossible because musical instruments in marketing terms, they've got touch, they've got feel, they've got sound, they've got smell, they they vibrate. How do you replicate that with a pair of speakers? You can go, oh, that sounds good. Then you come in the store and you see all the colours and all the lights and it's actually smell. You can smell the lacquer and the wood. And you go, do you pump that smell in or is that just oh, like- I have done. I have been able to do that. We've got a purifier in the amplifier room that has cedar oil in it. And, um, court, Graham, court. No different from going to the bread shop and having bread. It's very true. No different from Daryl Lee pumping chocolate. Cafe. It's, it's a known marketing strategy. Yes. So we try to keep the shop smelling fresh and clean and ideally like wood, spruce or cedar. How can we get people to visit the shop? Because the in-store experience, all of a sudden it's not about who's got the cheapest price and it becomes, oh, my God, look at how many guitars they've got. Oh, my God, gee, they're pretty, aren't they? It's such a different experience. And when people come in, they get lost. All of a sudden it's an hour's gone by, but it's a wonderful hour of their day where they've switched off from their these days technology. They're not at their desk. They're not answering emails. They're not... They've got got this little moment in their day where they might have come to get a set of strings and you see their shoulders drop and you see them start to smile as they look around the old guitars and other USP. I'm not selling them, but something nobody else has got, the old lounge suite, the old guitars. But you guys walk in, look at the old guitars and start smiling (laughs) and laughing to themselves. That for me is create an experience that they can't get anywhere else. That's the challenge. You said it before. I can go anywhere and buy a guitar. I want them to come to my shop. I want them to stay there. And I want them to leave happy. And even if they only buy the set of strings, but they leave 20 minutes later, their shoulders relaxed with a smile. I go, see you guys. That was awesome. I think I've done my job. That's I've created something. And so that's what I want to do with the jigsaw. The jigsaw was my tool to get people in. The jigsaw with a Fender thing, I approached Fender. How about you give me a Fender guitar and we'll run this again and we'll send everybody in our database a letter with a picture of the jigsaw. I bought the Fender poster this time, got multiple copies. It was actually able to buy jigsaws. Technology had changed. So I just bought 10 copies of the same 50-piece jigsaw, sent that, assembled that jigsaw in my wall with the six or seven pieces missing, then sent 5,000 people one piece of the jigsaw with the letter. And we had, I reckon we had about 2,000 people come in over the three weeks. Wow. And almost, they're going to sales money, almost every one of them, Oh, look, while I'm here, I'll get a set of strings. While I'm here, 
I'll do this while here. But the smartest thing I did with the second run was I had the second chance draw. I didn't do that in the first one. I had a first, second, third prize. But in the first time we did it, it was just like if it didn't fit, it was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And they're like, oh, thanks anyway. This time we went to the second prize. Okay, first prize is a Fender guitar worth a couple of grand. If your piece fits, you get an instant prize and you go in the draw to win the guitar, excuse me. If it doesn't fit, we go, it doesn't fit. Thanks very much for coming. Do you want to go on the chance to win the Fender amplifier worth $800 as a second chance? Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. So <coughs> now they're, they're really excited because they're still in the draw and the piece didn't fit. And they say, oh, it's disappointing because they try their piece and they look everywhere. But they still loved coming in and they still love the chance they might. And they even had a school in Armidale saying, Graham, my secretary's coming in this afternoon. When is that competition close? My secretary's coming in this afternoon with our piece because I hadn't thought about not sending it to school. So I just sent yeah. it to the database, people who had purchased in the last two years or spent more than $50. And mailed it. So it was an expensive exercise, exercise. to mail out 5,000 letters. Wow. $10,000 exercise. I was going to say it's about $2 a pop nowadays, especially for Yeah, with the letter, with the postage yep. and with the printing. It was about $2. Did you put concept music on the outside? Or? Yep, yep, yep. And it was with your chance to win your chance to win a Fender Stratocaster enclosed. Yeah, not cheap. But to get several thousand people through your front door coming into your store it was an incredible result. Do you have a rough estimate of the sales pop that gave you? Are we talking 10%, 20% over that period? More yeah, not in 50? Yeah, no, not in percentages. It was a very good month Yeah, is all I can say. And I say I was staggered at the number of people who came in, oh, while I'm here, I need a lead. I need a set of strings. I need a – So like, this oh, paid okay. for itself in spite. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah, all well Facebook and ads and Google ads, is no, it? No, no. But it gave them a connection to us. So again, it wasn't a – I've just got this discount code from XYZ Music down the road. Can you match their price? Because my whole thing is another one of my mantras is it's, I remember the marketing guy's name. I love his books. His name's gone from me at the moment. Is it? But his marketing challenge about I remember reading his book about ten years ago. Martin Lindstrom. Martin Lindstrom, very clever marketing guy. If you're into the psychology, consumer psychology, Martin Lindstrom has written some wonderful books. He's and anyway, he talks about it's good to be better, but it's better to be different because there's a lot of guitar shops around, a lot of music shops around. How can we be different? What can we do to be different? What's can we different? answer the phone different? Where do you can sit in the marketplace, Graham? Are you, in terms of pricing, you somewhere in the middle, right at the top? I don't think uh, you're right at the bottom. No, we're not right at the bottom. We try not to be at the bottom. My view is if you foster the people who only buy for you because they're the cheapest, they'll have no loyalty at all. They just leave, they'll just leave when somebody else comes along that's cheaper. Yeah, that's a top so, tip. Do I say that to consumers? We want people to think we, we have to have good prices. We've got a lot of practice, very price sensitive, and if you can be a little bit above the mark and all of a sudden you notice you haven't sold one for weeks or months and you'll Google it and you go, oh, shit, everybody's cheaper than us. So we have to be competitive now. In the good old days, dare I call them that, you just had the manufacturer's recommended retail price on a price tag and the customer come in and say, oh, you're a member of the Musician's Union, you get 10% discount. Oh, you're in a band, you get 10% discount. Oh, you're live and breathing, you get 10% discount. And a 10 to 15% discount was a given thing you give off the manufacturer's recommended retail price. Now with the transparency of the internet and Google, if you – And people like Anthony. Yeah, if you <laughs> – That's a different generation. Yeah. They've got no qualms at all about pulling out their phone and going, oh, mate – this one yeah, here, so the road have got it for this, or not even down the road. Sometimes it's overseas or it's in states. I go, mate, they've got it for this price. Can you match that? Do you have? Do you? Can you beat their price? And we it's will worse with your Black Fridays, your oh, Amazon yeah. Day. Or I can't get Cyber a Monday. Like it's crazy. I go through the psychology. I hate, that, do I? I hate it too because I think it's the 
I hate the consumerism of yep. it, but I also hate the fact that it puts people in that, oh, I've got to Frenzy. buy it because it's the cheapest. So hang on, is it any good? Is it what you want or are you just is buying it because it's on? Is it really what you need? But also we can't get enough stock as it is. We might make an making very the smallest margins we've made in history in 42 years is what you're making now, but simply because of the price pressures. You've got um, a bricks and mortar store. Bricks and mortar store. Got staff, staff. mouths of feed. Yeah, yeah. Can I compete online? People have challenged me off. My accountants challenged me, different marketing people have challenged me, my bank manager challenged me. Have you thought about going online? Don't listen go, to the oh, bank manager. Oh, I haven't thought about <laughs> the bank. Have you thought about selling online, Graham? Oh, never crossed my mind. I'm an idiot. But it's very difficult from Perth, the most remote capital city in the world, the most expensive place in the world to get stock delivered to. But with a gateway oh. to the and Southeast Asian market. Yeah, but it's got most of our stuff comes from Southeast Asia. So is it going to come here? We're going to send it back again. And why would you buy from Perth? Oh, I think I'd like to pay more and wait longer to get it. Oh, okay. How many consumers are out there that think I'd rather wait longer and pay more? I bet they're not in the Southeast Asia. Do you have those unique items? Do you sell a lot to the rest of Australia, little bits and pieces? Yeah, yeah. We look for anything that's unique. That's that's better to be different thing. I'll try to be as different as possible. I'll buy the unusual model, the unusual colour, the unusual brand. Not if it's off and not if it's something that's rubbish. I look for good quality niches all the time. And if you go back to the reps and the limited edition models, things, yes, I've got very good relationships with all our reps. And if they get given something limited edition, Graham, we've only got five of these for Australia. Do you, you want, want one? Yeah, of course I want it because it's different. This is what I know. When I walk into your store, the times that I've had, there's been something special in a yeah. cabinet spinning around yeah. Yeah. and you ask the That's marketing. And they're like, yeah, this is a, Hank Marvin's uh, guitar there or we've got – Stevie Vai guitar. Yeah, or we've got the Fender Clapton model or we've got the Stevie Ray Vaughan or we've got something that people can walk in and do the okay, whole – yeah. Do you run ads? Do you run ads based on that in your store? Not in the store, no. Okay. That's a good tip, James. <laughs> yeah. So what? Oh, that's part of me trying to provide experience because I want people to know that they've been to concert music. Not I went to a guitar store the other day. They had a lot of guitars. I want them to know they've been to concert music. Nobody else has the spinning guitar. Nobody else has a collection of old guitars. Nobody else has a lounge suite. Maybe they all think it's wank. Or maybe they think that takes up too much floor space. I'm not sure. It's a unique experience. What social media channels are working for you, if any? It's an old advertising adage, probably back to the market force guy. 50% of everything you're going to spend, Graham, will be wasted. Nobody knows which 50% is. Do you have a, do you have a preference to a social media? I see you do a lot of YouTube. I know the of, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah a lot of the stuff U- there. The YouTube stuff, we just that's a hard one because the people doing YouTube have got – tens or hundreds of thousands of followers where I've tried to go down the authentic path of what can we provide on YouTube that helps people. If a parent doesn't know what to do, oh, here's Graham talking about how to choose a trombone or here's Graham talking about how do we restring guitar. I'm using it more to build a relationship with the staff when they come in and see us. I'm not doing it trying to take over the world with a become a vi- – I haven't tried to produce a viral video on how to restring guitars – what I've tried to do is people come and say, look, I need to restring my guitar. They say, look, we've done a video about it and this is what you do and this is the things you'll need. Have you turned on the monetization side of YouTube? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think we've even touched it. Wow. To touch the potential of it. Okay. That's super interesting. Sounds like your job in the future, Anthony. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I want to get back, though, to more of the local SEO. So with 396 five-star Google reviews. Yes. Wow. 
I teach businesses and business owners and sales teams to ask for Google reviews. I yeah. have a sense that you don't do that. No, I don't. And it's been a deliberate decision not to. I've been approached by a lot of companies who say, we do, I won't say their names, and some of them are very pushy. And I always think about it for a minute and I go, oh. And I look at it and go, we've already got two to three times as many as anybody else in the music industry in Perth. We've already got the highest rating of anybody else. In so another mantra, going back to my USP, what you call it, my mantras, my tips is don't say you do it, do it. Don't say to oh, do you mind going on Google say that you've got a good deal? Do you mind going on Google say you've got good service? Give them good service, give them a good deal and let them go on authentically and go, I just bought this from Cosmic Music, it was fantastic. So every one of those are unsolicited. So you think following through is the gateway to those reviews? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm doing it right. I think maybe... I would say you are. (laughs) I would say if I was inverted commas smart, I'd be having a bounce back, I'd be having an auto email, say please leave a review, please leave a review, please leave a review. But I personally object to getting them. So I'm projecting there. I hate it when people say, oh, you've just bought this. Can you leave a review? I go, if I think it's good enough, I'll leave a review. It's or if the next shit, I'll leave generation. The next generation will be programmed to leave. And it's like you're more likely to leave a bad review than a good review. Yeah, we've had one or two bad ones. Don't forget the odd one that says, oh, I came in there and nobody talked to me. And I hate that because it's my thing. Engage with people straight away. But you can't get it right all the time. So I try not, even though I angst over it, top tip when they come is try to do everything 1% better, but you can't do, you can't keep everybody happy all the time. So Will you chase that, that, that doesn't 1%. mean I don't, that doesn't mean I don't care about that person that left for bad review. I won't engage them and say, look, I'm extremely sorry I had that experience. We got a scathing review once from a guy who's, who said he'd come to buy a pair of bongos for $200 and they were sitting on a stand that was 79 and he took the stand and the bongos to the counter to buy it for $79. And we had to say, no, no, the stand with the price on it, well, obviously on it was $79, the bongos are $200, so that's $279. And he was extremely angry about it, accused us of ripping out, went home, left this scathing review on Facebook, and I, somebody said, have you seen what this? I said, just um, leave it, just okay. leave it. It was within almost minutes. I remember my daughter, who's in media, she sent me, Dad, have you seen this review on your Facebook page? I'm going, no, look at it, just breathe, just breathe. Within minutes we had customers doesn't sound like concept music to me. It doesn't sound like Graham and the boys at concept music. It doesn't sound right to me. So many people. Oh, your fans pounded on it. Our fans <laughs> oh. screamed him down. You know, and and then you could look at his Facebook page. And, and the horror show was there, was the it? The horror show was there. So it actually, somebody leaving a skating review, we had a whole pile of people leaping you. to our defence, uh, which was Really gratifying. It's like, okay, we are doing it. Coming back to your mantra mm. of trying to do the right thing by everybody and being yeah, be genuine. genuine. Be authentic. But not Don't, buzzword it. Do it. Don't say it. <laughs> Follow you know, through. The, yeah, just do it. Don't say you do it. Don't say you give – don't say you great service. Give great service. Let them say it because saying it means nothing. It always seems worse than nothing because yeah. it's a throwaway cliche. Now, there's so much more we could touch on here. I'm just very conscious of time. I want a couple of good ones. I want mm. to talk about – your thoughts about business partnerships? Yep. Yes, no, what do you think? I think they're critical at every level, but in the same way that my partnerships with my suppliers, we've already talked about, with my customers, I genuinely want them to get the best service I can. But I also think then I've learned over the years to take external expert advice. So I will listen. I know when we renovated the store and I wanted to use the interior designers to help with the layout and the colour selection. And there's a lot of psychology went into that, but it was genuinely thought out my staff to their credit no we can do it we can do it ourselves 
What about so that's a relationship I built. What about a business partner to go in? Oh, you? okay. Would you ever me. do that? As oh, well? yeah. I'd, I've had people approach me over the years. I had somebody, but it would depend on the person. Nothing's black and white. I would never say definitely yes. I would never say definitely no. I've had somebody approach me some years ago who wanted to buy 50%. And I knew the person and I knew their lack of ability, care. musical and care. And I knew their background from another business. And I thought, oh, not really. Thanks very much anyway, but thanks for asking. I was polite. Yeah. But the right person, yeah, sure. You'd go, I've had other people say, oh, would you open a branch down south? Could we open a branch? Go, Let's get to know each other. You want to have kids and we haven't even been on our first date yet. Definitely. So I, I never say never to anything. I'm always happy to listen to everything from Just almost anybody. Just yeah, yeah, but even get, the ones I try to filter out are the Graham, can I come and see you? I've got a business proposition and it turns out to be Amway or something. You don't know. <laughs> and I've seriously had that over the years, numerous times. So now I've learned to fill that out and say, okay. before I say yes, it's not Amway, is it? Or something like that. And sometimes MLM. the phone goes quiet. Yeah, yeah, sometimes the phone goes quiet. You know. All right, you are about, I want to talk tech. So you're about to go through a massive change. Mm. We're talking. Kicking and screaming. Yeah, go on. We're talking. Mm, Thanks, like yeah. We're talking accounting systems. So basically, all the tech that talks to each yep. other. Yep. You're about to go through yep. a massive change, a massive yep. upgrade. Yep. What are you looking, and what should other business look, business owners look for in in a change of yeah, that? Yeah. I feel we're not at the cutting edge, or anywhere near the cutting edge. I think everything we do now, we can do better. And there's some examples of people doing better in the industry. I think. But I've also been an, always been an early adopter. It sounds crazy now. We had the first fax machine for a music shop in WA. We had the first FPOS machine. I'm going, this is awesome. So I'm always on the front foot with anything like that. I remember someone trying to explain what an email was to me once. I said, what's an email? I remember getting a golf ball typewriter when they first came out. Like, <laughs> Autocorrect. That's awesome. So I remember one of my drum teachers trying to tell me, going, email. what's a golf ball typewriter? Yeah. I was literally going, what was the golf ball? Yeah. Go Google it. Yeah. Go Google it, kids. Yeah. yeah. But when email came out, I said, what do you mean? It's like a letter, but it appears in your computer. What's the point? It's like you know? a memo. But that was before websites. Graham, you should get a website. What's a website? And that's not long – for me, it's not long ago. I've been doing it for 42 years, come from writing an order out by hand and putting it in the post to a supplier in the Eastern States, whereas now it's all email, it's all point of sale. I got one of the first computer systems for a music shop so that I could analyse the sales. Where are my sales? Are they acoustic guitars? Are they electric guitars? Because you think you're right. So often you're not. I've got, I follow my gut a lot of the time, but having said that – it's surprising how often even the staff are like, geez, we sell lots of these, don't we? I say, how many do you think we sell? Oh, I reckon we sell, oh, I reckon we sell a couple a week. Call up the sales history. Oh, we sold one in the last two months. Oh, I thought we sold a lot of them. So you can be wrong because you get blinded by your own biases, by your own favouritism or negativity, whatever. So the tech side of it's very exciting from the beginning to be able to analyse things accurately and take out the guesswork. So the top tip is the data. <laughs> the data... The data is gold. How do you get the data out? How easy is it to get the, the data? Bit. The current systems we've got were cutting edge at their time. They're now completely out of date. There was no such thing as integrating your point of sale with your website. So we have to do – we had to get a program written to export our sales, to manually upload them to our stock levels on the website so that when customer goes on our website and sees something in stock, it's really in stock because we get time after time, I get emails, people, oh, mate, have you really got this in stock? Because I've just tried to get it from three other stores. It was on their website, but when I ordered it, they were out of stock and they had to refund my money and I had to wait and they get really pissed off. So if it's on our website, it's in stock. But yeah. we're do- it's a laborious process we're going through. 
because those systems didn't exist and we've had to get hacks written and financed to fix it but everything changed so now we can we're how do you know that you're always best in class in that space I don't think we are, I don't, and I don't think anybody is. I think that's an evolution that there's – even if we were the best today, we won't be the best tomorrow because somebody else would have done it better or come up with a new program or a new angle or a new algorithm. The whole algorithm thing fascinates me but scares me as well. The Google algorithm, the Facebook algorithm, it frustrates me. It actually annoys me. It annoys me on a personal basis, but – let alone the different channels now that used to be you rang up, you looked up the yellow pages, rang up. Now we get a Facebook messenger, I get a private message, I get an email, I get a WhatsApp. Oh, my God. Snapchat. It's like, where where has this come from? There's all these different angles and platforms. And and then, oh, yes, but but none of the kids are on Facebook, aren't they? I don't know. Oh, yeah, they're all on Instagram. Oh, should we be doing Instagram? Moves moves quick. Moves quick. So even if I I thought I was best practice, that would be an arrogant statement because it wouldn't be true. Because even if it was true right this second, it won't be true in five minutes, let alone tomorrow or next month or next year. So tips for business owners out there about e-commerce. What do you oh, recommend? About, about e-commerce? Yep. E-commerce. Oh, gee. E-commerce. It's not, my, it's not my strength. I'll go back to the authentic thing, that if you've got to be who you're presenting yourself as. The e-commerce space, my website, my e-commerce space has to reflect authentically who we are as a shop and as a business. And we have to try and communicate that e-commerce-wise. If you say you've got it in stock, it's got to be in stock. When you send that out, we... Don't always get this right. It's sometimes a mistake gets made. That's the human error side of it. But then it's how do you turn lemons into lemonade? So if you make a mistake, own up for it. Mm-hmm. Tell If you've made a mistake, say, look, I'm really sorry that was our mistake. And might say to my staff, even if it wasn't your mistake, tell them what, accept responsibility. Because chances are they're going to realise it was their mistake later down the track and they'll go, oh, God, it was my mistake after all. But if you challenge them on it and tell them they're wrong, and you it's create the confrontation. Customer. It's a customer. Say, look, I'm really sorry. I say to my staff, obviously the message wasn't received this sent. And going back to the under-promise, over-deliver, I had a conversation with one of my staff yesterday, a lovely girl who gives great service, and she's very good in the shop, but I was explaining the importance of, on a Thursday, not saying to somebody, oh, the guitar will be here next week. Because what the customer hears is, oh, it's Monday, it's 9 o'clock, the shop's open, it's next week. I wonder if my guitar's there. And they'll ring up saying, I spoke to you last week, you said my guitar would be here this week, what you've said is it should be here by Friday 5.30 next week is probably what you meant, but the message hasn't been received as you sent it. So you have to be absolutely clear and you have to under-promise, say, look, we hope it'll be here by Friday at 5.30. If it arrives on Wednesday, happy days. Happy days. It's here two days early. You guys are awesome. But if I just say oh, I'd be here next week, knowing that it could be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday – I'm better. I try to under-promise that in case something goes wrong, the truck could break down. The, earlier this year, we lost a piano on a truck that caught fire. Wow. And it didn't turn up for like, where's our piano? Where's our piano? Where's our piano? We're told it was left. We're told the customer. So sometimes you get let down. So you don't under-promise to the extent of ridiculousness, but just manage their expectations and don't say vague, don't give vague instructions like, oh, it'll be here next week. Don't never, ever say to someone, I'll call you straight back because – Soon as they hang up, they're watching the phone going, he said, call said straight, straight away. He said, What's he doing? Away. Where is he? And they'll ring back half an hour again. You said you call straight back. Nobody's called me back. Manager of expectations. I will get back to you today after I've spoken to the supplier. I will definitely call you back by five o'clock. You call them back in an hour. They go, oh, my God, you said five o'clock and it's only one o'clock. My God, you guys are terrific. If you say I'll call you straight back. Yeah. 
nothing <laughs> happens. So you've got to manage the expectation. That's the old underpromise, over-deliver. Yeah. And perception is somebody else's reality. Yeah. yeah. Customers hear what they want to hear. Oh, absolutely. If I say to you, it'll be here next week, you're going, it's Monday. Should be here because <laughs> you know, this is next week. Mm. All right. E-commerce has to be authentic. I think I've got a final question for you. It's looking back in retrospect. You were to start your business again, knowing what the 42, almost 43 years, yeah, pretty almost, much. Yeah. Would I? <laughs> and what would you change? What are the key things you tell your younger self or the audience listening could take and run with? Yeah, that's a good question because I've sat down with people over the years who have wanted to start their own music business specifically. I'm going to open my own shop. And I'll try and give them tools that I didn't have when I opened my own shop. I had no idea what a stock turn was, what a margin was. I wish I had. It would have changed my modelling of my stock dramatically from the beginning. So I had no idea. I was naive. I was 25. I just had some enthusiasm and I had some agencies and I had some stock. So I wish I'd been, not wish, you, you accumulate information on your journey. So it was, I came from a background where my boss thought it was smart to import two years worth of stock at once because he was going to make extra 10% margin. And it was only learning that a stock turn is how many times you turn over your money and how much more important that is than just margin, how everything's interrelated. I knew none of that. But the young people, know they're so educated. They've got so many qualifications. They've got so many tools. You could say I was lucky that I had none of that because I could wing it. I could just wing it and there's no way of, if you're still there, you were still there. Most businesses went broke. I was lucky I didn't. I nearly did several times. And I look back, I go, God, how did I get through that? I'd seek probably... I sought advice from a marketer when I started and I didn't understand what he's talking about. I didn't understand the word demographic was. I didn't understand what a margin was. So I just knew that I could buy some stock and put it in the shop and hopefully people would come but in. But it wasn't essential. No. Now I don't know you could – it would be very difficult to start the similar business now. If you did, you'd have to start it small. The challenge for someone who said, I want to open a music shop now would be all the good agencies are locked up. Mm. I had a customer a few years ago. I'm renting a shop in such and such suburb and I've written to Fender and I've told them they have to supply me. And I've written I feel to like Yamaha. going to go badly. <laughs> yeah. and I go, oh, no, I've been to the ACCC. He says they have to supply me. And I go, trust me, that's not the way to start the relationship. Yeah. You know? But most of the big guys, the big brands, don't need more shops. They've got a limited number of people they want representing them. So getting an agency is very difficult. When I started, I had no no king brands. I, sorry, I did have I had Yamaha. Had a very good relationship with Yamaha because of my background in brass and woodwind, school music and playing professionally. Uh, and the Yamaha people, the rep knew me very well. So it's like, as soon as I opened the shop, I had a Yamaha agency, which was gold. That's my first agency. But I didn't have Fenders or Martins or Taylors or Gresh or anything. They, they were like, no, you're just this little guy in the corner. We're not interested so even if you won lot and had a million dollars and opened a shop, you wouldn't be able to get the brands. Nobody would talk to you because they'd say, look, we've already got Concept, we've got Cosmic, we've got Manage, we've got Mega. We don't need another store. We can't keep up with the stores we've got. So it would be very difficult for someone to get started. So I would say start small, be patient, be polite to everybody. You know, you don't know who they're going to be. The rep that you're dealing with now could be have his own business tomorrow and have a great agency. The little agency he's got now that's worth nothing, next week he might pick up a really important agency. So be authentic, be genuine, communicate, talk to people, listen, take feedback. Don't be arrogant about it. Be Take feedback, particularly if it's qualified. I love it. Graham, thank you so much for coming on and classing up this shambles of an act. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I think oh, it's, been good so to, much. it's been good to make me think back and reflect. Well, we try and call it therapy, a weekly therapy. Yeah. Send me the bill, yeah. 
Graham, if someone wants to come and find you, how do they do it? They could Google me. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the quickest way. Better be on top. Straight to the music. website. Concept Music. Yeah, the name was chosen for a reason because I had this concept in my mind of what a music shop should look like. People have said, why did you choose the word concept? Like, oh, I had this concept in my mind of what a music shop should be and it wasn't staccato music or cleft music or Graham's music. It was, I had this concept in my mind and that's what I've developed and it's probably become more than I anticipated. I didn't visualise, one, now I'm going to have 15 staff, I'm going to have all these major brands. It was, I'm going to open the shop, I'm going to be nice to people and have fun. Brilliant. And bricks and mortar in Wembley. Bricks and mortar in Wembley. Bricks and mortar in Wembley. Concept Western music, Australia. Wembley. Exceptional. Yeah. I'll all right, see then. the reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, take it away. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Inbound Outbound podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share with a friend and leave a rating and a review. We'll see you next time on the Inbound Outbound podcast.